Take two. <clears throat> I'm Scott Farber, and the man sitting across from me is a former New York Giant, current NFL Player Association president for the Dallas-Fort Worth chapter, the second biggest chapter in the country. That's right. Host of the Extra Point on this network and co-host, obviously, of this podcast. He is a Memphis living legend. And my good friend, say hello, everyone, to Larry Mallory. Well, hello, hello, and hello to, uh, I'm sure, somebody that's pretty happy about last week's games. Well, you know, you know, there were some good football games, and, and my Bears are finally look credible. And uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, we, we've got to just mention the baseball. Okay, yeah. That's the playoffs true, that's are true. starting. You know, we're taping today on a Monday. This will be up live on the site on uh, Thursday. So these games will have taken place by then. But we got to mention the Cubs in Milwaukee tied 96 wins, 90, uh, 67 losses for each team. Milwaukee was five games behind the Cubs with about 27 to play, and they went 9-1 and one the last 10 games of the year to catch the Cubs. The Cubs have now played 41 uh, games in 42 days, counting oh, wow. today's game. Yeah. So, you know, both teams are in the uh, uh, playoffs, but somebody's going to get to be home team advantage all the way through the playoffs, and some the loser of today's game is going to have to play in the wild card game tomorrow. Wow. Who are you picking, the Cubs or uh, Milwaukee? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going with the Cubs, and you knew that I would probably go with the Cubs. However, you know, we're talking about actually momentum, aren't we? Momentum, right. the, the Milwaukee has some pretty good momentum. They've got strength. tremendous momentum. It is. But then I always talk about the law of averages catches up with you, and you got to have a loss. Well, I, I, I totally agree with that. But I also think there's some momentum on the Cubs side. For them to play that many games and, and at this point in time and for them to know, you know, how important that is and from a historical standpoint and for their loyal fans. Right, right. I think there's a little momentum on both sides. You know, and each team has the, uh, the, the top two candidates for the MVP. Milwaukee has one and the Cubs have the other. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll call it the M match. Momentum and motivation. How about that? Okay, you know, you know, we'll see. And then Los Angeles and Colorado, also in the National League, similar things. Uh, Ninety-one and ninety-seven, and Colorado went nine and one at the end of the, uh, at the last ten games to catch uh, Los Angeles. So that's going to be another good game today. Yeah. Do you have a pick on that one? Uh, well, you know, Los Angeles as a city is actually just exploding with. LeBron James with having the Chargers and the Rams with Hollywood playing such a big part of the Me Too. Right, I'm right. going with the Los Angeles team. I, I, I really don't know how to pick this game. I really don't because, uh -huh. uh, you know, you talk about the momentum with Colorado and Los Angeles, who many picked to win the whole thing this year. Yeah. You know, uh, 91 wins is nothing to sneeze at, but they struggled to get there. Yeah. Um, but that home field, they're, they're in Los Angeles today, I believe. I think... Uh, I think that that'll get them over the top. St. Louis is the odd team out. They lost, they won four and six the mm -hmm. last ten games of the year. They were pretty secure in the playoffs mm -hmm. uh, for a wild card spot, and then they uh, then they went out of it. All right, one more thing before football. We mm -hmm. have the Riders' Cup, and the United you see the States, smile that comes on my face. The United face, States right? can't win in Europe. You it know? doesn't seem as though, huh? I mean, the Europeans. I, I was glued to the television this past weekend. I love the Ryder Cup right. experience. I love the I love the football type 
um, high school type atmosphere that you have at a golf tournament. You know, I mean, yeah. everything is just raunchous, but it, it, it does seem as if they have uh, There's something about it. Yeah. I don't know if it's the teamwork. It's because even in the individual matches, they played very well. All right. So let me ask you a question because you're a golfer, too. Mm-hmm. Tiger Woods was always like the greatest golfer in the world. Phil Mickelson wasn't far behind. Right. And yet, I heard yesterday, and I haven't confirmed it, but I'll, it's probably true, Phil Mickelson has the worst Ryder Cup record, and Tiger is second worst. And, and then, then uh, Phil, <laughs> Phil went 0-2 in this Ryder Cup, and Tiger went 0-4. So what is it that everybody, you know, we hear about everybody's scared to death to play Tiger on a golf course, and you could see the intimidation a mm-hmm, little bit. Mm-hmm. Not now, maybe, but in the day when he was Tiger Woods, you know, the number one golfer in the world. Mm-hmm. What is it in the Riders' Cup that they can't win? I don't know. 25 years, that's a long time in not being able to win in Europe. Uh, golf for us is is uh, is very, um, I th- the word I'm looking for is, it's like professional. It's like being in a corporate environment. The Ryder Cup, of all things, you know, is, is a raucous sports field, soccer type, European type situation over there. Maybe that had an impact on him. I know that the announcers talked a lot about both Phil and Tiger's pace of play, demeanor. You know, they didn't respond. They weren't responding to the crowd much. They are on foreign soil, but there was some American support. Well, I think in, in Phil's case, he might have been struggling. And, you know, but, but I, you know, uh, it's hard to believe because he's always such a fan guy. Yeah. You know, and Tiger has become a fan guy. So what you're saying is kind of unusual right now. Well, you know, plus it's hard to have the most victories or the most losses if you hadn't played in enough of them. Right. And, right. They, and those right. two guys have played in a whole bunch of them. Just hadn't been that successful. Well, and they were talking about, too, how, you know, the Europeans play on that course. That's right. You know, but Tiger and Phil have played on that course, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, that's why I didn't bring that up. The, the Europeans talked a lot about them being comfortable with the course. Right. But, you know, the difference in a professional amateur is consistency. Those guys, they had the chance to play the course and know the course. So it wasn't like that there was just an overall advantage because of that particular case. Every course they go to in the world, you know, they get a chance to practice on it and see it and take notes and all those type things. It's just so the Europeans have a thing going on. And they got a lot of young players over there, too. I think... um, uh, the guy from the Netherlands might have been the oldest player, 40-something, 41. The tall guy that played with Rose. Um, Henrik Stenson. Henrik Stenson. Yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah. good. Yeah, I think he might have been the older guy on the team where, you know, from a, from a European standpoint, they're in that young move. Molinari yeah, yeah. just can't be beat, it seems. Yeah, as yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, he's been around a little bit of a uh, He has. Time, he right? has. And, and if you notice... He's a he's a diminutive guy, but you know when they have that blue line that's going for right, all right. the shots. Yeah, all the young players are moving the ball right to left, right. left to right, right, right to left. A lot of Molinari shots are straight shots toward whatever that target is. See, and I never understood that why they do hooks and fades. Why don't they just go for the target? Well, because, you know, it's the conditions of play. It's you against not yourself. It's you against the weather, basically. So if you got wind coming from the right, you know, you need to play it out right to bring it back left. Right, or right. or if, if it's a dog leg fairway, you need to shape the ball to, in a way in which it stays in the fairway. This right. course was, and the, and the Europeans actually said it, this course was not set up for big hitters. 
And in America, we're about long drives and big kidding and, you know, big, big uh, golf courses, big fairways. They set it up to where the rough was the toughest rough that they've ever had and the fairways were narrow. Yeah. So it was more about accuracy than power. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's one of the things that they... Well, you know, and that, that's a key point because I know down here in Dallas, Tiger skips the Colonial. Actually, that's played in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I've heard because it's more of a... It's not a power course. It's more of shape your shots course. It's exactly. not built for his game. And in fact, a lot of the pros don't take driver out much at Colonial. You know, I'm a, I'm a yeah, marshal yeah, over there. Yeah. They they want to hit the fairway. It's three woods. It's it's hybrids. It's two irons because they're hitting them 270. I mean, 240, 230. You know, with those kinds of clubs. So, you're right. It's it's some courses are set up for power and length. Some are set right, up for accuracy. Right. And so it does. It does it carry over though. You know, I mean, Tiger had such a remarkable season on this comeback, and he became, you know, you know, what we saw when he won that golf tournament. You know, yeah. look at the the way the crowd was circling him. You know, walking in, and the players were all thrilled to see that. Yeah. Does that get diminished at all because of this Riders Cup, or do we just move on to the next time he plays? I think we move on. You know, the next time we review the Ryder Cup will be in four years or so. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and then you know, you just hit on something really powerful. Tiger's not a young young golfer anymore. He just came off of a tremendous win, the right. last event of the year. And imagine what it took for him to get there. Right. So yeah. now he's right back in the mix. Yeah. Maybe that's why, you know, his pace was consistent and, and there was not a lot of emotion. Well, the adrenaline was gone and yeah. he, he laid it out. And now I'm in Europe and I'm just enjoying myself and... I got to go play golf, too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Know, that, that might have something to do with it. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about football as we both put our glasses back on. You, know. <laughs> you taught me well. <laughs> where, where, yeah. where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the Bears? Well, you know, I think that would be a uh, respectful okay. uh, pace of play. <laughs> you, know, you know, well, before, before we talk about the Bears, though, let, let, something we were talking about before we started was that there only seems to be one, you know, I, I don't want to use the term elite, really, but right now the Rams seem to be the team in the league, and then it's everybody else. You know, they're at 4-0, and uh, uh, that's a little bit unusual that this early in the season, only one team has been separated from the pile. That you, you hit the nail on the head, and, and it's about, I think the key word in that explanation is team. They have, they got a defensive line, you know, with Ndamukong Sue and, and Aaron Donnell. Uh, they got a defensive line that they can rush four guys and still have seven back there to cover you. Right. That's right. pretty impressive. And still get pressure. Right. Then on the offensive side, here we, here we go with golf, this, you know, not missing any passes. You got Todd Gurley. The, the, the league seems to be moving toward a good running back, and we'll talk about probably teams today, and the running back will be a key player. Right. They got a good running back. They got good receivers. They got speed. I mean, they have, to me, it seems as though they put together probably the best unit, the best team of anybody. And they have a young coach. That's true. You know, and he's offensive-minded. Very much so. I think that, you know, I have a good special relationship with the McVay family. Right, right. Uh, his father, John McVay, was my coach in the World League, allowed me to hold field goals and extra points. Right. The extra point. Right. Was my coach with the Giants and then picked me up with the 49ers. So the McVay family has been, was a very important part of my career. Right, Totally. Right. right. And I think that the impact, obviously, that Sean has had, 
on uh, that his father has had on him is being transferred to that team. Now, I do believe, Scott, too, that I'm seeing a younger coaching pattern that's moving toward offensive skills, and I'm seeing more of the older, more mature coaches moving toward defensive side of the ball. Is you know, I it's hard. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you look at it, you see that. But is that is there a reason for that, or is it just how it's happening? And then will the defense, the older guys, be phased out then because the game will change on them? I mean, what, what's your thought about that? Well, I, I think that I think the offense offense is led by quarterbacks. Quarterbacks now, you can see that they're protecting them vehemently. They're not letting them get anything done. But they're also getting quarterbacks that's coming out of a college system where offenses are moving. There's a lot of creative formations. Passing is important. And now they're in a league where where the the fans for the NFL wants to see scores. I mean, look at the numbers that's coming out now. uh, You're saying 30s and 40s every week, you know, in terms of of scoring touchdowns. Now, I don't think that's a hit on the defense because I think the rules have changed to the point where it's very difficult to be a a defensive player. And so that's what I think we're seeing is the impact of, of college sports coming out and, and the offenses and the quarterbacks and the maturity of understanding how to play these guys being handled by the more senior coaches like uh, Wade Phillips. All right. Well, let me ask you this, too, because we have heard our whole life that uh, when, they're, when they're drafting a quarterback, well, he might not make it in the pros because his college offense was a great offense, but it's not pro style. Right. Why is it that the pros never adjusted offenses then to college style where these kids are coming from so they could excel in the pros? Well, I think I think that's a great question. And I think that's what's happening now in our era, in the older era, even in college, it was about drop back passing. Right. Right. Drop back, good offensive line, great receivers. That's actually what was transferred to the NFL. Now you're seeing very mobile quarterbacks. Bigger, uh, bigger running backs that can handle more than just running, but can catch passes and be multi-talented guys. And I think that impact, that college impact, now is transferring to the pros because that's who we're drafting. Well, what took so long then? Well, I don't know if it's been a long time. I just think that that's the evolution of the game. You know, both both venues, the college venue and the professional venue, have a lot of pride. Right, 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 right. right, right. And so neither one of them are going to say what we're saying today on this match. Right, right. But college does impact NFL, and the NFL does impact college. And I think that that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a somewhat of a, of a realignment of those relationships. Yeah, okay. All right, well, let's... But, you know, you got college coaches making $11 million with Nick Saban. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and he did not do that well in the NFL. That's right, that's right. You know, that's and right. he's not here to defend himself, and I don't want to get into that argument. That's true, that's but true. the numbers and the records say he didn't do that wonderfully, yeah. you know, in the NFL. But, boy, is he... <laughs> He's got to work it in college, doesn't he? Uh, without a doubt. You know. Uh, doubt. Well, let's talk about some of the games. Uh, you know, let's go. Obviously, I'd like to go to the Bear game first because. Um, well, tell me your thoughts on that Bear game. I, I started to call you like four or five times. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, it's um, it's it's amazing uh, as a Bear fan to finally see the offense play some football. Yeah. But the thing that I noticed was Josh Howard, who is a a wonderful running back in the NFL, you know, in the top five. And is the only bear to have 
his first two years, a thousand yards, oh. or maybe he, I, I don't know if he's the only one or if he, if he shares it with Walter Payton or something. But in any event, he was very minimal yesterday in that game. Terry well, Cohn had a huge game yeah. and played the whole game. And Howard seemed to come in at cleanup times. And, you know, and I'm wondering, is he being phased out of that offense? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far right now, especially after such a, a dynamic victory. Such a, uh, I think the word I like to use is confidence builder with Trubisky. I right, mean, right. five touchdowns in the first half. Is that that's a record? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Six to, six touchdowns yeah. total for the game. Yeah, passing. Yeah, passing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that I think that this might have unlocked the uh, the Bears. I think that that the defense clicked well. Khalil Mack is probably one of the better, maybe the best defensive player. Yeah, in the your second comment there was, was better than your first comment. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. yeah. And so if I got a defense that can get the ball back into the offense's hands and give them a chance, even if they don't score every time, but that can take the ball away, their special teams look good. I mean, yeah. the whole unit yeah. looked completely different than I've ever seen them look. Yeah, yeah. The um, um, yeah, it was really amazing how he spread the ball out. But see, yeah. you were talking about the mobile quarterback. Uh, he had three carries for fifty-three yards yesterday, mm -hmm. or sixty-three yards. So you have a lot of stats on the Bears. Yeah. <laughs> he he. So he had a. Um, uh, it was a remarkable game for that guy. Yeah, he made a lot of Bears fans smile. Just kind of yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. So, do you think, uh, um, for Bear fans' sake, is is this something more to come? Do you think the Bears are going to play have a solid year, or was that a one game that this was way above their uh, their heads, but they had one game like this? No, I, I think the Bears. I think the Bears honestly might even compete this year. Yeah, because you know. What we're seeing, the like you said earlier, there's only one team that's four and zero. Right. Every other team is developing. Right. You know, right. and getting better and getting better. And I think that the Bears is going to have that kind of confidence. Their arrow is pointing up. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Their yeah. arrow is pointing up. I mean, they're going to have some get stepped on a little bit and be slapped around. I'm sure a couple of times. Right. But the arrow is pointing up for the Bear fans. But you know, that's what I'm saying. You know, we talked about all of these things going on. You know, uh, uh, it was the demise of the Packers, the demise of uh, a demise of New England and everything. But now, basically, this league is two and two yeah. everywhere. You yeah. know, you know. Yeah. And I was talking. We had mentioned the Bears, how lucky they were when Minnesota and Green Bay tied, yeah. because that put a nick on both their records. So, like the Packers are two one and one. <clears throat> you know, so the Bears, uh, you know, are right there with them at two and two, you know, mm -hmm. or I, I'm excuse me, at three and one. The Bears are, you know, that little blip ahead, that half game ahead, you know, and everything. But w the Packers 22 to nothing over the Bills. The Bills had a fantastic game last week. They destroyed Minnesota, a team that many picked to win the Super Bowl. So is that their adrenaline was down or they had one great game and it was back to reality? How do you... You're the coach now in the locker room. How do you describe this? There was not even a score. There was not even a field goal. <laughs> this, I'm not sure if this was the same Bills that played last week. This had to be some new guys or yeah. something. You don't see no scores in the National Football League. Yeah. 22 so to nothing. That? I, it's um, one thing for sure. Um, 
That head coach is getting their attention this week. Last week's practice was not as easy as this week's practice, not as hard as this week's practice is going to be. It is very unusual for you not to even score a touch, I mean, a field goal. Yeah. So it, it is. Uh, no, neither of us can dictate or know what's happening behind the scenes, but I guarantee you today and in that locker room, there's a lot of soul searching going on. And see, and then I look at a team like the Packers that you know, uh, you, you know, a few years ago, Aaron Rodgers spelled out to the fans, "R E L A X, relax." You know, mm-hmm. when they started out poorly, and I see the Packers all of a sudden they're two one and one. They're going to wind up with a pretty good year. Yeah, um, we don't see any, you know, I guess outside of these new young teams, our traditional teams, their coaching staff and their their front office, they kind of, they don't panic early. Right, right. And they adjust <laughs> to the time. And they adjust to the time. Yeah, yeah. And I know. think that's the key. They, We're only in the first quarter of the right. whole season, and we'll see how that turns out. And but it is good for, the like, the Rams to get off to a good start. And the first quarter is over already. That's true. It I is. Mean, it's that, over. It's something. Well, the Cowboys, 26-24, to 24, uh, mm. a win, you know, right at the last second there against the Lions. <clears throat> Where do you see the Cowboys headed now? They're 2-2. Two and two. Well, I think that was a good confidence builder for them. You know, they're in a they're in a conference, NFC East. That's um, that's interesting right now. The Redskins are, are number one. Uh, the Eagles lost the other day, and yeah, so to the Titans. Yeah, I think that that this this had a good momentum for them. A few things though. Cowboys defense did not look bad at all. They they're the number two in stack, number one, number two in sacks in the league. You know, there was a lot of press about Dak the week before this game, right. not throwing the ball downfield. And at least now, I think he showed that, you know, this was – he somewhat answered the statements that was that was right. put out about right. them. But the whole the whole game was about Zeke. Right. He, right. Is, a, he is a good running back. I mean, he never falls yeah. backwards. He's a, a load to, to take down by by yourself. Right, you know? right. It's hard for one person to tackle him, and he had a terrific game with yeah, yeah. 240 yards total, uh, back to where people had kind of expected yeah, him to be. Yeah. So let's see if the if the if the play change if the plays change. They got the ball to Cole Beasley. They went downfield now, and not a lot of dips and dunks. Uh, defense looked good. You know, I I think that. They have a chance, really, of turning things around now. You know, Zeke, as you were talking about, he is so hard to bring down. Let me ask you, did you ever play against Earl Campbell or Peyton? Oh, yes, sir. How are they to bring down? I'm just, I, I'm they, just curious. They're still up. <laughs> when I hit them, they still up and still running, you know. You know, quick story, one of my friends... Uh, uh, Isaiah Robinson, number one draft choice, right. and he was the president of the chapter at one time. And, and you mentioned Earl Campbell. You know, he was a great, great linebacker. Oh. And the only, the only thing that he he challenges or regrets is that when everybody sees him, they said, "Hey, oh, you're the guy that Earl Campbell ran over." <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, you don't bring those kind of running backs down alone, and that's what kinda, makes them so kind of grab onto them and wait for the cavalry. That's it. That was that was my thing. Yeah. Get there fast. Yeah. yeah. Get on them because they're still going to be running and hope someone else comes along. Larry, you got to tell the story again. Um, you know, back in your day, they had the wedge on kickoffs. Right. And it was your wonderful pleasure to have to break that wedge. <laughs> tell true. us what that was like. Yeah, I mean, the kids today don't know from the wedge. Well, it's, uh, you know, the wedge was such a dynamic piece of the game that they actually have taken it out now. <laughs> you right. can't have it anymore. But it was. Usually four four guys, 
they were right before the ball carrier and they were usually pretty large guys right. and there were some designated people that you know could get down the field pretty fast and uh, if you got down there pretty fast you were called a wedge buster and that was one of my roles to be able to throw your body across that wedge and take out at least a minimum of two guys so that the rest of the guys had a chance to have access to the runner so it was um, it was a way to, it was a way to get get a helmet and stay on the field too. So I was happy to do anything to be a, a part of that team, and that was one of the things we had to do. I know you got to be a mean son of a bitch to play football. <laughs> well, you got to know where to throw your body. <laughs> yeah, but but I can't see you being that mean or that brave. Well, that's well, and and it was a lot younger too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. That, that, that's right. You thought little, your thought process, Mister Invincible. Here. That's right. That's right. You, you know, man. You know, when I think back of those wedges, because I. Remember remember seeing some of those plays you know um it was amazing and you used to do that Did you ever get hurt uh yeah yeah i got hurt but uh more bruised than hurt you know what i mean yeah, you, yeah. You, you i was never a star so at the end of the yeah. day i had to make sure that i got on that field however i could get on the field yeah. be it special teams uh starting at corner or safety playing right. multiple positions or right. coming in as a nickel weak linebacker right, right. so uh, and i gotta i gotta backtrack your comment too when you say i was never a star you're a star to make it to the nfl you're one of the top 1,000 football players in the world. That's true. That's so, true. You, know, you, you know, I don't like it when guys diminish their level of play. Now, maybe those 1,000 guys start to separate, but from the rest of the world, you're a pretty good player. Well, that's why I'm moving in with you now, because I love you so much. So. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just here to help you. you know, as we get older, the stories have to get better. That's true. That's you know, true. That's, you know true. That's, that's just how it has to be. Um, all right, let's talk about the Patriots and Dolphins. The Dolphins were going into that game 3-0, and high expectations. The Patriots, everybody had them buried and, and, and for dead. And then they came out there, and it wasn't even a contest. Not at all. And I'm not sure if, uh, you know, the Dolphins were on such a roll. Sometimes you just have something in your head about a team. And maybe it's just that the team has something that they know about your team that's, that's well, well, could it be that the R-E-L-A-X, you know, maybe, you know, the Patriots early in the season, it takes these teams a while to uh, – to get moving, I mean, because they completely dominated. I mean, the Dolphins scored that seven points in the fourth quarter when it really didn't matter anymore. 38-7, wasn't it? 38-7, yeah. You know, and, and plus, you know, Scott, I think that uh, preparation in the NFL is, getting, uh, is, is very, very relevant. Right, right. And, and all the coaches are great preparers, but, right. you know, I played under Bill Belichick. Right. And whatever happened last week – that he did not agree with, I guarantee you he's correcting it the next week. Right, right. So this could be the case, too. They they, they sort of have the Dolphins' cards in their hands. They kind of know how to play them, obviously, for them to go 38-7 after, their, after what they did last week. And the Jaguars coming off of a tough loss. Well, you know, you talk about teams that are separated. I still think in two or three more weeks the Jaguars are going to be absolutely in that upper tier, you know, with the Rams. Um, so they had a tough loss that they did not perform well. But then this week, Bortles comes back in a big win, 388 yards, two touchdowns, and a 31-12 to win over the Jets. Yeah. Have they redeemed themselves? So is, is the loss forgotten and we moved on now? Uh, that, that, that's a key point in losses. 
you have to put that behind you, especially in the NFL, and, and, and move to the next game. And I think that's what they've done. But, you know, the Jaguars are, are another team where they have such a good defense that they can do the four and seven thing. And as long as you can keep getting pressure, you know, on those on that quarterback using only four players, you're going to have an advantage on the defensive side of the ball. Now, that Sam Donald, you know, that's the guy that right. everybody had really put up there. And I still think he's going to be, you know, a quality quarterback. But he has to see enough. You know, he has to experience enough before he really, I think, comes into the right. to the fold. Now, how much do the Browns sit there and kick themselves? You know, they're 1-2-1. One, one. They lost, you know, I, I would call it a terrible loss to the Raiders yesterday, 45-42. to 42. They're 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 probably sitting and going. We could be three and one, four and zero, oh, you know, with a matter of this or that in each game. And I know every team could do that, but the Browns are trying to come back from not winning a game in sixteen, seventeen years or whatever. Right. I'm kidding, obviously, but for a long time. Right. How does that game yesterday affect them? How how do you look at you know you were talking about uh, Baker Mayfield? How's he going to look now once he gets uh, scouted? How is he going to play now once teams are know how to react against him? So where did you see his play from yesterday and the overall look of the Browns? I'm, you know, uh, I'd like to see them do well this year, and I think they're doing so much better. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts well, on that? Well, I, I, I totally agree with your perspectives on things. Uh, you know, it, it's a scoring offense. He's a moving quarterback. He's obviously getting a respect from the team, right, and that's right. the most important thing. I watched his interview uh, yesterday before the game, and um, he showed a degree of 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 uh, not as mature in college, but to me, he showed a very mature interview. He talked about uh, the team and not himself. Right, he right. he talked about how his performance is supposed to make people better in the in the huddle. And so he showed a, he really shocked me. He showed a degree of maturity that I did not expect. Well, and I think it, that might be a part of his comfort in getting that team moving in the right well, direction. Well, I also think that when, when he got drafted, um, uh, they sat him down. And he's smart enough to listen, you know, to, to, to grow up a little bit, you know, in that regard. And I think, uh, I think the coaching had something to do with that. You know, because, yes, he seems a lot more mature. You yeah. know, in college, it was a lot more fun and freewheeling and dancing around and everything. Yeah. But um, um, but what did you think of his performance? Do you think he's going to settle in and be a decent quarterback for this team? I do. And one of the reasons I think he might is one of the, um, you know, the Giants played, and they were talking about uh, the running back with the Giants, right. but not the quarterback. And the, the announcer, one of the guys talked about how it is so – Important and so good for a young rookie quarterback to have a veteran in the locker room with him, right. even if it's just to see right. how he operates. And, right. and I think that that Baker's time with Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod is a is right. a seasoned pro, veteran been with a yeah. veteran quarterback. I think that helped him. Sure, I think it helped him, and above all, not only helped him, I think he accepted it. He received it. Right, right. And there are some quarterbacks that we know that used right. to be in the league didn't receive like that, and I think that. That in its own self, when you got a guy that's running the team, that's the leader, and they can accept information and experience, process it, and then deliver on it, 
you're all you're doing is getting the confidence of those linemen and the rest of your teammates, and I think that's what Baker's doing. Sure. And you know, I wasn't a Baker Mayfield fan. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I really liked his his uh, interview, and I really like what I'm seeing in in regards to how he's dealing with his life. Right, right. Well, yeah. and I, I saw. Well, you know, and I think because people also compare him to Johnny Manziel. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, they look alike. They, you know, they sing. They carried on the same. You know, uh, but I mean, even on the field, they ran around, and they were never. You know, what are they listing Baker at six ten? You know, and he's you know, you know, no. But you know, he, he looks a lot smaller than I think he is. You know, he's over six feet, but he. These linemen coming in at you are nine feet tall nowadays. That's two yeah. running four fives, four sixes. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, uh, you know, but um, but he throws the ball really well, and he gets it out of his hands uh, quickly. But what about the Raiders now? You know, so Gruden got his first win. Is this team going to start to gel, or they're not just going to make it this year? They're one and three. I, I think that they're going to start to gel. Uh, yeah, uh, because Gruden is a um, quality coach and a, and a player's coach to a certain degree. You know, and if you're sitting in Gruden's chair and you have a ten-year, ten-year contract, it's going to turn around either this year or next year or one of the ten years. And if not, it's okay. It's okay. Send me that check. I'll be over here. That's right. You you know. um, All right. Let's talk about your team. They played the Saints. Just talk to me. Well, I don't even know what to say. I was about to say. uh, I was going to say that before you said it. Eli Manning. though seems to be trying to get things going. I mean, that running back is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. He's a great running back. And and as we look across the teams that are successful, honestly, that's what they have, a great running back. But, you know, we talked earlier about having a young quarterback in the locker room with a veteran. It, I don't know who's the backup there with the Giants, but, it, but if we could have gotten – you know, a high, good, high-profile college quarterback right. to be in that room with Eli a little bit. Eli is not a big talker, especially right. outside of the locker room. But maybe inside the locker room, it could have had a good, could have had a similar impact that that uh, Baker Mayfield has had with his experience with a veteran quarterback. Right. But we're our quarterback, the defensive lineman. They know where he's going to be. He's not going to do much running. He tried to run a little bit the other right. day, but right. he's not going to do much right. running. Yeah. Odell Beckham just signed a great contract, and I love the Giants, okay? But it's only the fourth game of the season. He was frustrated, again, showing the type of emotion on the sideline that that hopefully it'll generate some activity with the team, but usually – you know, it yeah. it doesn't no. it doesn't have that impact. Well, you know, and, and that was my next question for you too. Like a guy like, uh, well, you know, you're going to hate me, but I'm going to say Trubisky and Mayfield. Mm-hmm. I think what's helping Trubisky is that the Bears really have put a team around him too now. I mean, they are so markedly improved now. They are with their new personnel. So for Baker, would he have been better off? to be on another team that's a little bit more advanced team-wise? Because, you know, the Browns are coming off of not winning. I don't know, you know, but I think their personnel is pretty good. Yeah. But but would Baker have been better off going to a more established team already? Well, I mean, this is a personal view. Um, well, but, uh, but it's a knowing personal yeah, view. Yeah, it's a knowing personal view. But 
Baker Mayfield was the number one draft choice, right? Right. That means a lot of money. Right. <laughs> Whoever yeah. he went to. Yeah. Man, you guys be. before 93 still complain about that lot of money all the time. A lot of money. So, so whoever he had gone to as the number one draft, he'd be happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He'd have to perform, but personally, and if he's married, I don't know if he's married or not, yeah. or if he's planning on, but if his yeah. girlfriend, they would all be happy based yeah, on him yeah. being the number yeah. one pick. Yeah. But I, I I think that he's in a good place. Hugh Jackson is a good coach. Yeah, you know, yeah, he has yeah. good people around him and and they're this is I mean, they're winning now at a pace, you know, unusual to the one they've ever had. So yeah. I like that side of it. You know, and we, we had compared Baker to Johnny Manziel and did not show Johnny Manziel in the best light, maybe. And I was a Manziel fan. Why is it a guy like Manziel didn't make it? Well, that has, you know, so many um, untelevised or, or back locker room issues to it from from what we saw visually. Right. Um, and we've talked about this. Uh, millennials in the locker room now are looking for leaders. Right. Whoever, and the leader usually is a quarterback and the right. quarterback makes the most money. Right. And if you're not leading in the right way, then they'll come and say, tell the owners, hey, you should right. pay me the money. I'll be the leader. I so gotcha. that's it's the era in which he's yeah. playing, yeah. and honestly, uh, the so that goes to what you said, where May, Mayfield seems to have matured quickly. Exactly, exactly, and it and it drew the respect of guys. You have a college guy coming out making a lot of money, but the guys that's protecting him possibly have been there for a little while, got right. kids in college, right. has wives that's managing their business, has right. mortgages. Right. You follow me? So yeah. this is not a game anymore. It's a business right. for them, right. and it's your job. And I think that Boy, might be the difference. Yeah, that's you know? well put. Yeah. And, and, I, and I tell you, going back just to the Giants and the Saints, when you look at a, a Drew Brees-type quarterback versus an Eli Manning-type quarterback and compare him to the new-type quarterbacks, Drew Brees fits better. Right, he right. moves around. He gives the lineman time. Uh, I mean, obviously, he has Michael Thomas and, and Kamara, who are yeah. great you know, assets. But right. at the end of the day, he's not a big, dominant, over-physical guy. Yeah. But he's one of the guys. He's an older guy that's doing what the younger guys now are doing, where the game is going from an offensive perspective. All right. Uh, after four weeks now, so who do you, who's the biggest surprise for you in the NFL? Surprise. Um I didn't expect uh, I didn't expect honestly any undefeated teams. I thought that every I thought there was a parity going right, into right, this right. year. I thought that the Patriots would, you know, not necessarily drop down, but but be be a bit more aligned to the league. Right, right. Um, and, and, and they are by their record. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't really have. Uh, I thought that there was a parity. I thought that the offenses were moving in a certain direction. I thought that the running back position and across the league is becoming much more impactful now than I think ever before. Not possibly ever before, but especially as it was in our day. Because right, right, in right. our day, you know, we had the Walter Paytons and the Gale Sayers and the, you know, right, the great right. running backs, the Lawrence McCutcheon, those kinds of running backs. And then all of a sudden it moved toward passing. And now it's moving, passing, moving offenses. So, and if we're looking at the scores, the numbers are up. So I, I think that from an offensive standpoint, it's just moving in a good direction. And from a defensive standpoint, it's drawing the fans. One, one question, totally out of left field, that mm -hmm. I just thought of when I'm talking to you. Dick Buckus, how, how would he be today? 
All things considered, you know, the weights, everything, you know, the working out, the regimen. How would a guy like Dick Buckus be today? Would he be at a premier level in the league today? Um, I, well, I, I speak to two sides of Dick Buckus. Okay. The one side of Dick Buckus is he's going to be prepared for whatever game he played. Right. And so from that perspective, I would say, yes, he would be a star in these games today because he has better equipment to work out on. He right. has a different diet. Right. He, you know, it's all very different. All very different. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of his play in those days versus his play in these days, now you don't have – you have big big middle linebackers, right. but they're also running four sixes and four fives. Right. The offenses are spread out where linebackers are having to cover right, right, right. You know, a lot more. So it's really hard to compare eras. Exactly, exactly. You know, yeah, you know, it's so hard in team sports to say who is the greatest. Yeah. The, the only time that I ever am definitive on the greatest of all time is Babe Ruth, and only because he's the only one who will ever do this as far as I could tell. When 94 games as a pitcher – and hit 342 uh, lifetime and hit over 700 home runs. That's true. I mean, so, you know. Where's Babe Ruth from? He went from Chicago, was he? No. Oh, okay. No, Just no, no, no. I imagine I'm trying to think. I'm going probably from New York. Yeah, I was thinking would, so. Would be my guess. No, but no, he was just, just tremendous. All right, last thing before we got to wrap it up, Larry. Uh, the Ravens and Steelers. The Ravens are 3-1, and one, came back and blew the Steelers out in the second half of that game. And the Steelers are 1-2-1. One, I almost would have thought it would have been reversed, the records and everything with we, those two we teams. We could have been st- looking at this. I, I would have thought the exact same thing. Yeah. It was like a, it was such a difference from the first half to the second half for the Steelers. It was like as if if the things that got them to where they were in the first half, they just abandoned in the second half. Right, right. Uh, that was an interesting game for me. Um, it it was a motivating game for the Ravens. Oh, because they without they, a doubt. Yeah, they really showed a lot of. So now are we going to hear Big Ben needs to retire? Um, I don't know if we're going to hear that before we hear um, Mike Tomlin needs to go. Needs to go. Yeah, are you a Tomlin fan now, or I am a Tomlin fan, and uh, I'm, honestly, I'm a Bear fan. I'm a Pittsburgh fan. These are the old family teams that have they don't change coaches a lot right you know they've been loyal to their customer base and their consumer base and they've kept those teams buoyant and 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 talented um i just like all of those older teams um growing up we always hear play for fun play for fun play for fun but when they get to the pro level you have completely shown today that it's it's a business oh without a doubt and and you know you talk about the wife's managing their husband's businesses <laughs> and, right. and uh in the locker room it's a business so it's this is how we do it because it's helping all our business it definitely is and and it's also introducing young families right, into right. early financial literacy. Right. You know, um, understanding how capitalism works and how money works. The guys are making the kind of money now that they sh- they can invest. Right. And they can get. They are guaranteed certain resources after they play if they're vested. And right. vestation is only three years. Right. So you know, for them to make sure that not only their athletic side 
is taken care of, but their educational side is taken care of because more of their life will be spent on the educational side than on the sports right, side. Right. So that's why I think we're seeing this evolution. I always learn so much from you. Every <laughs> All right, man, we'll see you next week. We'll see uh, how we did on our baseball predictions. We too. will, we will. I, th- I think the Cubs are going to go and be okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm Scott uh, Farber. He's Larry Mallory. We'll see you next time. All right, next time. All right, next time. All right, next time. All right, next time.